0: then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you.
1: If you've got the experience in residential, you can almost scale up to commercial sized portfolio of buildings or projects inside the residential
0: space. Hi and welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Alexander, and with me today I've got my good friend Stephen Clark. Thanks for having me back on, Jenny. It's good to have you back, Stephen. Um we've had a conversation probably about six months ago, I think, maybe a wee bit longer. I can't quite remember I should have checked. When we spoke about your commercial project not too far away from here, the one in Kelty. And since then you've gone on to another scaled project. Um, in a different location But maybe we should just quickly Go back to the Kelty one How did that one finish up? Review the the fact that it was meant to be a, a CMO building That's right
1: Not becoming a CMO building um, Yeah I can't remember how much detail we went into the last time But we pretty much got a good result um, On the purchase price And the exit So I end up finding one tenant That almost took it off me on a five year FRR lease And yep they're almost doing a CMO model for their business, um, which suits their setup and it uh, suits so my investment setup quite quite nicely as well. Um, So yeah, that's been renting for now almost a year. In fact, just the past a year.
0: Well done. Just remind us what the ROI is on that, yeah, roughly. Yeah, it's
1: probably about 28% maybe. Yeah. 28%. Probably slightly more. Um, Yeah. The purchase you, price was no. a low, low-hanging fruit, 85 grand purchase, if I remember right, and just under 15 grand so do you not...
0: remember our
1: conversations about buying that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the difficulties in stretching your comfort zone and going into some realms of unknown Um I think we went through every excuse on that didn't we yeah as to why not to do it I don't know but it was the COVID mindset shall we say that it might have been yeah the COVID <laughs> mindset I mean I'm pretty sure we <laughs> viewed it in the in March 2020 so yeah um, dragged out the purchase dragged out the purchase and off the property um, the refurb was a, probably a couple of months of just fixing up
0: the building a yes. little bit and making it almost lettable. Um, I think and, the key thing there was you. There was multiple strategies. Yeah. Not quite sure which one. Testing out the multi let, and then you made it took it upon yourself to go out there, mm-hmm. meet up with some people, and found a tenant. That that you weren't sitting there waiting. That that was a good move, and you went and found a single tenant.
1: Yeah, and I knew that. On a, you know, the, on these problem buildings that we speak about, um, you weren't gonna just get someone falling on your lap. You had yep. to go and find that niche person that would be suitable for that building. Um, you know, what, seven thousand for the listeners maybe don't know, seven thousand square foot in the middle of an old minor village with a population of what five, six thousand million? Something like that, yeah. So it wasn't exactly yeah. It's um, not prime um, city centre no. stock. But when you look at it from the commercial aspect, it's like at the crossroad of that town. It's the it's centre point of the town and they're one. Of the, it's one of the last villages to do, uh, is, is it the coal race in Scotland? Really? So I saw a lot of stuff on social media and where the starting line and the finishing line of the coal race was, which is historically like the last one in Scotland, there's the building. So it, it was it was quite probable that, it, that it's the centre piece of the, that town. Yeah. Um, so it was always going to be quite popular um, for people. And, want to and also
0: it. possibly a little bit controversial because mm. this is a property that was, well ingrained in the local community and a lot of people would look at that sort of thing and say right okay here's a commercial building it's been on the market for a while how can i convert this into resi yeah which is often the 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 default position for people but um when we first looked at that it was really that might be a fallback eventually but knowing that i would hit me a lot of resistance
1: yeah absolutely There, there was multiple
0: exits for the property
1: um Right next to the primary school, the nursery was one of the one of the ones that was at yeah. the forefront. Um, the fact that it did suit being a multi let with different rooms and different spaces, I think I'd calculated I could have got into about seventeen different spaces. So there, there or there was the the
0: one tenant? Yeah,
1: um, but it was finding that one tenant.
0: Yeah, which you did. Yeah. Right. Okay, we're not here to talk about that one. It was good just to recap on that. Mm. Um, subsequently, you've been buying a lot of stock, resi stock, up in Aberdeen and other locations, and doing flips as you do. That's your standard operating procedure. But you had been working on a project up in Aberdeen that eventually did come to fruition. And it actually took you quite a while, so maybe you should just give us a a bit of an outline to that one, what it was previously, and then really just that process of getting over the line, because I don't Mm. think it was particularly easy, was it? No, so... It was it was very much a hybrid
1: model of, you know, most people will look at residential, and and I switched to, these are small, they're small cash flow and they're they're stocking fillers inside a portfolio, they give a a bit of cash flow. No, once I'm bigger deals, I want to go into residential. Was I, f- I felt like there was a crossover. If you've got the experience in residential, you can almost scale up to commercial sized portfolio or buildings or projects inside the residential space, and one of the markets I really was keen to tap into. Was the student accommodation market an yep. HMO property, and to to appraise them in cities like Glasgow and Edinburgh, they really didn't stack up with the with the actual purchase prices of these properties in the right locations. Um, and because I was so active in Aberdeen, it made sense to look at something in mm-hmm. Aberdeen. Um, so I I came across a building on a commercial um, agent's website. It was historically. An HMO building that had been converted from, God, what was the, what was the um, school? No, nunnery. Yeah, school. Nunnery, that's what it was. Yeah. HMO. Yeah. Um, so I got the history of the building. Been, it's in a very prominent location inside Old Aberdeen, so it's within a couple hundred yards of the university. It's a Very very good location. Had been converted from a housing association, I think, about twenty five years ago to an HMO. They. Rented it to Aberdeen University On a longer term lease almost And when Aberdeen Yeah the whole building And when Aberdeen pulled Aberdeen University pulled out of it Three or four years ago I don't think it kind of fitted their model To spend the money renovating it Or revamping it to a modern standard again So it was on the market Um, So it sat empty basically It sat empty for a couple of years Two or three years I
0: think How long did the Because sometimes these institutions take a while How long did it take for it to go on the market it was quite timely.
1: The negotiation period was also timely because you're dealing with a house association who had a management meeting once a month and then a board of directors once every other month or a, yeah. other, a, a subsequent part of the month, which always, you know, as soon as you offered or had a question or something to go back to, yeah, we'll go back to the board. They just met two days ago. We'll see you next month or whatever. Yeah, so it was yeah. just, it was a Committee. long process. It was just this, oh God, this is taking, this is dragging out, um, which probably wasn't a bad thing, in hindsight, um, but the way it was marketed through a commercial agent as well didn't didn't highlight it to the the residential market. and yep. um, The people that were looking at the residential market. I mean, in all fairness, could you call it a residential development? No, it's like for me, it was a commercial building all day long. It was the one building had already been subdivided into seven flats with the potential of getting the eighth one out of it. And um, so, yeah, that was a commercial building all day long, as much as it formed part of a...
0: Yeah, so it, it formed, it was one title. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we may be playing with semantics for a second, but it's split into six different units. Seven. Seven so. different units. So, you know, whether it's officially titled an HMO or a multi-let, seven dwell, whatever it is, mm. but it's all under one title, one management, one fire system. Yeah. Um, which I think you had some challenges with, which maybe touch on. Um, and that really means that when you're going for lending or borrowing against it, it's a like commercial loan all day long for, for what it is that you want to do. And with the probably being on the market for a while, had um, they had any offers? What You know, did the single a closing date? What was the situation with that?
1: Um, interestingly, you touched on the fact that on the lending, I had to almost convince the bank that it was more of a commercial Building rather than a residential because when we had the valuation carried out, they were they were eventually going to lend me on the back end valuation of seven individual units, and then take an aggregate value, and then take a portfolio discount on it. And my argument was no, like that's not. And they were saying no, oh, that's our that's our de-risking, that's our fire sale. We'll we we'll chuck it to auction. Someone's going to pay just under one blow market value. Yeah. But my comeback on it was it's a residential, it's a commercial building with a commercial income so if you base it on a commercial income you could chuck that to a london auction and someone's going to pay a hell lot more than the bricks and mortar value based on the income you can get from it and they, they took that as yeah okay. yeah
0: it's, it's interesting because our our market um that we that we operate in with multi-let and office space and licenses does seem to be viewed slightly differently in terms of valuations whereas if it's student accommodation it's viewed a different multiple if it's um Hotels mm. is viewed in a different model, even though the length of stay in a hotel is pretty short, Yeah. <laughs> right? So, it, you know, our industry is just not very good at keeping data. But when you've gone out and got the borrowing there, you ended up managing to get it on a commercial.
1: Well, I still went with a residential, mm-hmm. technically, and it fitted my residential, I suppose, investment criteria with the way I would structure a deal. It was more on their valuation right. of it. Okay, they wanted to pull the bricks and mortar value and pull it down. Whereas my kind of comeback on the argument was: it's 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 a hybrid. Yeah, you know, here's the income of one hundred and four hundred fifty thousand pound a year on a eight times ten times multiplier. That's worth a hell of a lot more than bricks and mortar. I don't want to lend to that that capacity. But your fire sale was not the lower bricks and mortar value and then take 25% off it and then I've got my equity stake and it. it was like, no, no, like I'm holding my, my, yeah. my, my me, bricks me, and mortar.
0: I mean, this all sounds very logical to us, right? But you're trying to have this discussion oh, yeah. with a financial institution through probably various people that you have to talk to them. You mm. can't talk to them directly. And um, you're probably um, a little bit, well, I know the story here. You're, you are a little bit um, concerned because you need an invaluation mm. that allows everything to work out, Right. <laughs> So, But you managed to stick to your guns and get them to, to bring in the valuation that you were looking for.
1: Yeah, it was It was basically the difference between me leaving, if, if I would do it based on my residential strategy of adding properties to the portfolio or a portfolio into the portfolio, it was basically me leaving zero money in the deal and it being an infinite return on investment or leaving 200 or 1,000 pounds in it, yes. um, which didn't tick the tick the boxes. <laughs> so whatever valuation they were taking was going to work for me or not work for yeah. me drastically. Um and, and interestingly enough, I, I was directly to the BDM off the bank who was responsible for bringing on the new business, and he, f- I think he fought the case. But rather than coming back and saying, yeah, you're right, it just went through. Yes. Um, so, yeah, valuation was secured up front at the short-term lending, which gave me a lot of com- comfort going into
0: the project. Okay, right, brilliant, right. So we touched on finance. We went off a detour there. Let's just go back to property being on the market, um, you putting in uh, you, I just want to get an understanding of how many other people are in this race how long was it sat on did you take quite a long time to decide or was it actually part of your negotiating tactic
1: a bit a bit of combination in them all there wasn't a huge amount of parties interested it was mostly the guys that are probably similar to myself that have residential portfolio that are dabbling in commercial that are almost in that hybrid phase of mm-hmm. that's that's diversify their own investment portfolio um, so it Technically, did go a closing date because I offered on it, and another party offered on it, and they put that closing date, um, and I we submitted the the offer that we felt that, yep. that that would that would be yeah suitable for us paying to fit that criteria. Um, but then it took a while, did yeah, it not? It took a while mostly because of the lending, but the fact that to get any question to get any answers back from the seller, it took so long to go back as well. So if you Right. Lender questioned something, and I went back and asked the seller the question it would take two months to get the answer and then go back to the lender. And it just yeah. dragged that process on more and more, which didn't necessarily frustrate the commercial agent because you know he knows he's gonna sell it just as a matter of time. And it probably more frustrated the seller, his client. Yeah. Um, but because it was a housing association, you know, you weren't dealing with an
0: individual that had a pain point. You were dealing with a business. Yeah. Or, this it's interesting though, isn't it, that there's, there's a, if let's just call it a project of scale, right? There's a project of scale that is sitting with a commercial agent, even though it's certainly within the realms of resi and there's the, the refit and everything else is based around that mm. and stuff and principles you're used to. But then when it came to actually dealing with the operations of that building, et cetera, and, and I'm going to come on to the fire system, it means that some things have to be looked at slightly differently, mm. right? So... Housing Association had it. There was a fire system in it, based as a single occupant, effectively. Um, usual thing. You run through. You have a look at these things. You think, well, this one might be all right. This, you know, might be okay here. But then, quite near to the line, what happened?
1: So yeah, yeah, a lot. Of it was the the crossover bits. As much as there were seven individual flats and an eighth being converted, there was it was seven kitchens. It was. Splitting each shower room or bathroom into two shower rooms, like it was very much a residential it's development. Used to, yeah. Apart from the fire, the fire doors and the fire lamp system. And the fire lamp system was apparently a C one or C two system, if I remember right. Basically, like you said, the one building, one fire panel, each flat zone differently, and each area's got their own their own head. So each one, each bedroom with its own head, each living room and kitchen on different head. It Every space. It was all zoned in the yeah. one panel. So yeah, that was a benefit and a curse. The benefit originally was I can put on the one HMO application to Aberdeen Council and they would take it as a, a 27 bed HMO rather than six, seven individual yep. properties which saved a bit on that. Um, and the fire lamp system backed that up. Um, but going th- but part of the due diligence process of it was let's have a look at the fire lamp system, let's check the panel, let's check the heads and you know I'd got a company out. Yep, yeah, that's fine, I'll service it. It'll be a couple hundred quid, and we'll do a six-month roof check. You're, the lightning just got to do a test every week and record that yep. for the for the purposes for the fire control purposes for the fire safety yep. um, regulations. So it came to the, like the last week or two, and I was like, right, let's get this fire alarm system fired up. And I think sixty-nine heads were like showing up with folks. <laughs> I was like, oh <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I all but one or two and I thought ah, there must be a fault in the system and then I'm trying to logically think through the, the problem rather than so yeah rather than replace every head which was because the Aberdeen University actually paid for the final system for, on behalf of the House Association so they went for all singing all dancing yep. one that picked up I think it detected four different things like it was ridiculous it was an expensive head you know it was a couple hundred quid each head, which were now defunct, and you had to go, uh, go to a yeah. specialist supply. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is going to cost a lot. Um, or get a new system put in, which again, at this, you know, a week before handing the keys over and getting the students moving in, you're like, Jesus. But you were sitting on a short-term bridge in finance, you would not bring in the income as well, and delaying it a month, paid for the firearm system. Yep. So it was almost like, right, let's see if we can get around the, the problem. The building's been under construction for a few months. There's been a lot of dust. They were nonsense. Let's get up. Yeah. Let's get them all cleaned let's out. Get the, let's get up with the compressed air, blow out the, the heads, put them back in. I think maybe nine or ten cleared and the rest were still falling. <laughs> I was like, God, this is, this is it. But then, an- annoyingly, the same guy that came out and quoted the price originally you know, took the heads off and was checking them over and trying to reboot the the, 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 con- the software. And he says, um, well, they're pretty much the same as your residential heads. You only get ten years... Warranty mm-hmm. guarantee with them. Yeah, they're out in like six months anyway. Like, you freaking could have told me that six months ago. I could have factored that cost into the renovation or the development cost, but no. So, but what's the cost? So, the cost came from £18,000 18, to replace the whole heads down to around 10000 to to put in a new system. But it was, instead of being a closed loop system, as an open loop system, the heads weren't all singing, all dancing. They just detected what was necessary, which yep. was the smoke and the heat. Um, which made them a lot more cost effective so new system and new panelling new heads throughout everywhere used existing wire and had to modify some of them and add in additional points but yeah end up being £10,000 but it was one of those costs versus you know usually would have been about yeah. at that late stage of the project you probably would have tried to cut corners and
0: do what you needed to do just to try and keep your prices down but yeah, yeah. You and, going, and often you know like this building we're sitting right here um, this was owned by the council so you know they were keeping everything up to date at some point they put in a bells and whistles system but ultimately age eventually catches up with everything right so and and quite often if they're getting to that stage where they're selling off a property the likelihood is that refurb the refit was yeah. done on a budget several years ago. And actually, even though you're buying one with a great system and somebody tells you to look, says, Oh, yeah, it's good. That was, you know, the Rolls-Royce, whatever. Actually <laughs> <wouldn't be> a- <laughs> time's up. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll need replacement. Yeah. But it's one of those expenses that when you're doing your initial analysis, it might be, oh, right, that's in. We're okay. Even, you know, what the wiring, at least the wiring's in, because that can be quite a lot yeah. of cost, right? Yeah. But it does depend. These more modern systems. Um I mean, do you have more flexibility but equally they may need different types of um, kit in them and therefore you may end yeah. up doing the whole damn thing again. But
1: with the fact it being a closed up system it was only approved suppliers and approved contractors that yes. actually go in and modify the software and, and, and program it and reset so that was going to add another cost, yeah. an ongoing cost going forward. So the decision was taken well okay let's just replace the system, the, the panel and the heads keep the existing wiring and hopefully it's more easy to maintain going yeah. forward but yeah, at the, that last stage of the project when you've already got the overspend and overrun now everything was tied to it because if the fire department didn't sign off on the fire risk assessment then the HMO officer wasn't approving your licence which means even. in a week's time or two <laughs> weeks time when you were bringing in £13,000 of revenue into the, the building you weren't going to be able to get the students yep. in legally so it was like this uh, yeah, and you've got second. them lined
0: up to come in with Chris or whoever's got them lined yeah. up to come in right they were all lined up ready to move in in a week's time Uh I was like God. So we're going to have to come back to numbers, but just briefly, um, on doing that project, because if I ask this, if I think about asking this question later, I'll forget it, right? So I'm going to ask you now. The, you had customers lined up to move in. As soon as it was ready, boom, they're in. Um, what is your thoughts about the student market going forward? Have you thought to yourself, do you know what, we need to do more of these? Um, are there, is there elements from this project you've thought, I would do that slightly differently, of course, or I'd improve on that. But actually, fundamentally, this model works and I need to go and find some more.
1: Yes, but then I suppose it's the diversification again. Mm -hmm. I feel very much exposed to the Aberdeen market. Now, as much as the HMO and the student markets diversified, the the demographics, the cash flow, the, the income from it, it's still pretty much in that city. What about
0: location-wise? Would you look somewhere else? Or was it just the fact that opportunity
1: was there? The opportunity was there. The building lined up. It was almost like find the exit for that mm-hmm. problem building, that great yes. location. Fair point, yep. yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely do one again um, if the opportunity presents itself. But it was almost at the, the projects that we speak about, like the projects at scale. I wanted to do an HMO. I wanted to put an HMO in the portfolio. And it was almost like one just wasn't enough. And to find buildings where you could get seven or eight, ten flats in it, they're they're the harder ones to come by. There is portfolios. I think there's around about twelve or thirteen flats that's for sale at the moment. So there's there's things like that that are already done and, and So yeah, I know the model now. I know the market. I know the the income they can generate um, having the right location and having the right standard of product. So yeah, I believe in the model, and I would do it again. But it would just have to be the right opportunity. Yeah, okay. to fix
0: it. So right, let's go back to numbers then. Sorry, just to take a detail there, but with um, this project you mentioned there about fire system costing a bit more, but what were the overall numbers if you can remember them? Purchase price, refurb? Yeah, purchase price was
1: 575,000. Okay. Um, the refurb was originally meant to be about 20,000 pound per flat and 20,000 pound against the communals, which went out of the window. They went out of the window for a couple of reasons the Aberdeen market's tricky to get the trades in the right the for the right prices so that, that was the cost of materials was a slightly more than I had planned when I'd done my due diligence you know a year a year previously yep. which I didn't adjust it for so I was expecting it but then because I, I knew that this was going to sit in the portfolio long term I overspent on things that would come back and bite me maintenance wise mm-hmm. like okay the fire alarm system was one that came back and bit me anyway but um, things like the, the electrical rewire I thought rather than rather than put them out and have it maybe the life of that electrical system would maybe be five years when I just do it now and you've got 25, 30 years life in that and those so that the flooring, the materials the things like the wet wall panels rather than the plastic yep. flimsy one that's put in 12 more ply so there was all these wee things that was like let's just improve the spend to hopefully cut down on the maintenance going forward and, and yeah it'll stand the test of time okay. test the of time off students in, well yeah you know. indeed so, so so yeah, it went from pretty much hundred and sixty thousand pounds I'd put against it yep. to two hundred and twenty thousand. Okay. So a good jump up. Um the valuation actually increased.
0: So Weirdly. that's around about eight hundred grand all in. I mean yes. there's some fees on that yeah. and whatever, but still still eight hundred grand. Yeah, low low
1: eight, like eight twenty, I think, all yep. in. Okay. Um and the valuation it came back with was one point zero six million. Which is enough to clear um, out Seventy one percent loan to value on the back end, long term finance, uh, cleared out my short term borrowings and all my money I'd put into it. So it left me with pretty much that, no money left in the investment yeah. at all and cash loan good.
0: It's interesting though because you've you're, your skill set. We know each other for a while, right? So your skill set on refurbishing redevelopment, you know, you can do them blindfolded now, right? Um, but it's not just about that skill set, isn't it? It's first off finding the building, yeah. it's having that the, the but who knows, to go and do mindset. it. Right, the mindset, <laughs> exactly, to go and do it. It's the um, ability to raise the finance, mm-hmm. right? Because was there any private finance on that to get it, or did you do it on bridge? Yes. I'll yes. Say, that, say that quietly in case anyone from Redwood Bank is listening. Okay, yeah, all right. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got the finance sorted out to buy it. <laughs> then there's the refurb. But then... All of this project was actually, going back to our early part of this conversation, the whole project's success was actually hinging on the fact that you get this valuation yeah. and the fact that they came back and gave you a valuation and you said, no, that's yeah. not how I think we should view it. But actually, you know, some people may have been had the skill set to do all the other elements, but then get to that stage mm-hmm. and then get caught out. Mm-hmm. And if they had come back with, no, no, the valuation is 800 and whatever thousand... Effectively, you would have had to have somehow left two hundred grand in the yeah. deal. Is that basically where you were at?
1: We were at um, one point one point zero five million was how they brought down individually market uh, individually valued each property, yep. um, and then they says their portfolio. So the aggregate value of the portfolio was one point one five or one point sorry one point one five or one point one six. Right. Okay. Um, they took their twenty five cent discount, which means that they'd, they'd put a valuation of nine hundred twenty five. Then obviously, I'm getting my seventy or seventy one percent loan to value. I don't know why they came up with seventy one percent loan to value. Um, yeah, believing be, that
0: that'll be including the fees. Yes, yeah,
1: couple hundred thousand sitting in it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, arguing the case and point, but the, the the other thing I suppose is it was the niche lenders. You know, the minute you go north of the border, you've limited your lending mm-hmm. pool. The minute you go to an AB postcode right now, Aberdeen, you've limited yeah, your yeah. lending pool. The minute you mention HMOs or student accommodation, you've limited your lending pool. So, so it was almost like there was only a couple of banks that were backing it. So it was, I had to have them onside and I had to have them yep. supporting what, what I had says. Now, the valuer came back and undervalued the rental income. Mine was very conservative we exceeded even what mine's was and well over what the value value was, but even on what the value said, can kind he of went back to the bank and says, but on a multiplier off that income, there's your exit. Yep. You're not you're not going to exit these individual flats. You're going to sell these as a portfolio as a commercial entity, a commercial investment to some investor who's going to look at it from a six, seven, eight percent yield, ten percent yield, whatever they want of it, and they're going to pay 1.2, one point three million. So so your so your 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 bricks and mortar value and your commercial values, it's almost. The commercial valuation stacking up the bricks and mortar yep. value and holding it up, and like I said, they didn't they didn't come back and say yeah you're absolutely right they just sent it's, through it's the terms the head through. of terms and there it's there with my valuation at the one point one five which for some strange <laughs> reason went up ten grand
0: okay yeah right so let's just finish off that so basically now um, the management is out mm. it's not it's not something you're dealing with on a day to day basis I know that there's um, because you've got more of a portfolio up there, there's a little bit more crossover. But basically, that building, students in there until next summer. Um, are they on 12, how? How does that work in the summer? Well, with the PRTs in
1: Scotland, makes HMOs almost quite tricky because yep. technically they could move out in May June, yep, and not go back until September until the the term starts. This was all part of my due diligence process up front and I thought that if I raise, because I know I've got the right location and the right building, if I raise the standard of the accommodation and make them so in demand that people want them, they're going to be forced to have them over the summer because if they mm-hmm. don't want them, someone else is going to take them. Um So that, because of the way the timings landed, that la- that landed, uh, like when I was coming off my short-term lender on the 30th, the 31st of May, I had to have the students move in the 1st of June. Yep. Three months Prior to To the university courses starting And interestingly enough When the revaluation got done They also Said to take the income Based on 9 months And not 12 months Luckily because the income Was so much greater Than even had predicted That it's still stacked up For the affordability test To get the full borrow now
0: Right on 9 um, so are, Even though you're getting 12 Even though I'm getting 12 Alright so let's yeah. just Just to round that off then um, There's obviously fees going out There's I mean all the different things That go out what is it kind of netting? What's the... It's is it where you existed? expected? Just, yeah,
1: just over about £5,000 per month, but that's fully managed by an outside letting agent who yep. takes care of everything. And they're, they're on seven PRTs. But, you know, it's always about the de-risking. You know, the the purchase, the development, the exit. And when I'm looking at it from this student accommodation, it's on a PRT, which in Scotland, is a private rental tenancy rental agreement, um, the students are sharing a four-bed flat. There's four individual students on the lease, but this, because the students have not got the affordability, the students have also got to have an each have a guarantor. Yep. So their parents are guarantor on their rent. So each p- flat, I've got eight people on that lease. Um. So the so the the chances of me not getting paid the rent are it's like slim to none. Yep. Like you've got eight people on the hook for it. Um. So when you look at it from the exit point, of, the exit point of view, and the I suppose the risk associated with getting the income or maybe that's associated more with the residential sector, you've almost mitigated it with the student market.
0: Yep. Yep. It's it's having multiple clients in there. Mm. So um I know we're gonna you and I have been talking about doing a podcast about um scaling projects, right? So there's a few things I'm gonna hold off on talking about until we until we do that. It's a nice but,
1: tip, bit tease, isn't it? Yeah,
0: a little bit <laughs> teaser. A little bit of a teaser. Because it's something you and I have been speaking about a lot, right? Pro- projects of scale. Yeah. How do you go from the ones and twos to the bigger th- stuff? Why would you want to do it? How do you do it? And it's the mindset thing, right? But mm. we'll just leave that hanging. Yeah. Um <laughs> something like a good conversation. <laughs> so um, this project, I think it's probably just important just to say that you and I see each other probably once a month or so. We're on the phone reasonably regularly. I know that project was stressful, right? There was a lot going on. It was at distance. It's not mm. like in your backyard. You're up there staying. There's a lot going on. Um, it's all done now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ready to go again?
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Taking a breather Uh, right now. Um, it's, it's interestingly how quickly you forget the pain. (laughs) I think I've I've had the conversation with you in what may Mm -hmm. April, I'd have been like, hell no, I'm not touching this again. That's me (laughs) done. I'm not doing another one like this, but yeah, that's been rented since the 1st of June. Most tenants haven't even moved in. I think yep. a couple of the flats have been occupied. They're now starting to drip in now, starting the university. Most went away for the summer. Um, but yeah, that's been three months of income, like pretty much parked in the portfolio and forgot about it. Um, so yeah, the, the, the pain is now almost like, well, well that was easy. That was, a, that was <laughs> yeah, it's gone. But then that's why we like doing long-term investments. Yep. You know, work, work that that's- once, have that that pain, that hardship, that, yeah, that bit of trauma, find all these problems to overcome and then, Yeah, it's like, interesting
0: also, you've got the philosophy of, right, I'm not necessarily going to flip this, Yeah. so I'm going to spend more now to create mm-hmm. a little bit more space for me in the future because, yeah, I think people do forget that when you're keeping buildings for the long term, yeah, you spend 100 grand buying it and 20 grand doing it, but whatever the numbers are, but that's not the end of it. You do have to go back and do re- refurbishing and repairs and, you know, we, we've we had buildings now for 18, 20 years and you go back through and, and there's a part of you that's, that's a little bit of nostalgia but also a bit of frustration that, God, I remember when we refurbed that <laughs> and now we're refurbing the whole damn thing again, you know. And you forget about this when yeah. you're buying them. You think, oh, it's going to cost me 120 grand. We're done. But no, no, you you then yeah. need to go back at some point. So. I'm,
1: I'm laughing because I, I think it's a mindset thing that when you, you, you think about it from the long term, you appreciate it. But starting out with my property journey, I didn't. I remember the first one-bed flat i had in heathen in 2006. I think she was in it for like nine years, and she got me back to lick out the paint and change the carpet. And you should have seen like the effing and blinding that was corner for everything under the sun. Like I've just renovated this fully like nine years ago. Why? And when but you actually think about it, you're like she's paid you know her rent every month on the button for nine years, and you're looking at the cash flow you've made from it and going, yeah, okay, I'll I'll, I'll reefer a bit. But yeah, that that mindset almost has to change when you're looking at it from a business point of view going yeah i need to make sure that there's regular maintenance there's upkeep there's pots getting put aside to make sure that well, i need to replace yeah x y and z over a, a, that period of time
0: yeah and i guess you know and, and in commercial world that's where the fri lease comes yeah. in right but that's not what we're talking about on this particular project but that's where you can mitigate those capex costs later on however um there's no such thing as a free lunch. You know, yeah. you all. There's always stuff to deal with that, and usually, it's in a reflection in your income. Mm. So the less risk, naturally, that means you're probably going to be getting less income. Yeah, and that's where the balance has to come, isn't it? Is what, what risk you willing to take? Interestingly, the balance
1: and and the the saving grace was actually the commercial for at lease property, because at the very last. The one, the Part first the, one we were yeah, talking about, yeah, that saved my bacon to a certain extent because right at the, I don't have any lending against it. They're on full rental income after the introductory period, yep. um, so because there was income coming into that, that with that property, I could, if I, and if I needed to, I could give that security to a private investor to top up my extra funds I needed to get this project over the line with the the, the overspend. But I did it through the income, so the so the private investors that I pulled in were actually paid out of the. The commercial building that was bringing yeah. the income, saying, "Okay, you want your <laughs> eight stepping cent, stones? Cent, 10%, yeah, there you go. There's your month income." So actually, the private investor finance at the end didn't cost me anything because the commercial building was paying for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah,
0: so com- even another good reason to buy that one, you see? It was absolutely, end up being the saving,
1: the saving <laughs> my <laughs> bacon
0: uh, property right at the end. <laughs> oh, well, nice to circle back to that one. Right. Okay. So we're going to come back and we're going to do a session about yes scaling. Um, scaling your property business so I'm really looking forward to that but thank you for giving us a wee bit of a summary there we also stopped tour on building number two um, I think that it, it's interesting how that whole market is up in Aberdeen mm. but it's almost like this this project is quite different because it's underpinned by the university and by that severe shortage of student accommodation. Well, so, yeah, I mean, everyone looks at the Aberdeen
1: market and they say, "Oh, but oil and gas, oil and gas," and, and they get so hung up on that. But uh, Aberdeen University is the fourth oldest university in the world. It's not wow. going anywhere. It's been there for yeah. almost five hundred years. It's not going anywhere. So, for this building to be so close to the of thing, you know, I've underpinned it with the students, not yeah. anything else. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.